So there's the thoughts appear in like a field of awareness, and you are in the know, so to speak, yes? Because you are aware, yeah? I don't like to use the word you, but there's an awareness, so what arises is noted, yeah? So that noted is a thought, but there's an underlying thought that's not noted, which is more like an old idea or a belief, which is I'm the thinker of these. These are my thoughts. The my thought is what is the bonding agent in all the thoughts being seen, because they're seen as mine. Yeah? And my represents a lot of old ideas and conditioning. It's like a, it's like a, a, a like say a, a potential pool of old ideas and conditioning and beliefs that gets activated and has an effect here by the bridge of my. So a thought's a thought until it's my thought. Then that thought now carries a lot of meaning that's been shot into it by the, the idea of I'm, if they're about me, or I'm the one who's thinking them. Yeah? That's the subjective experience. The thoughts are basically the same in everyone's head that are happening, if they have English as a language, another language, French, whatever. Yeah? The thoughts are sounding like the same thought. Like if you have a thought of a dog, it's pretty much about a four-legged animal you know, that likes to smell assholes and shit and everything like that. You know, we're sort of in the same ballpark. But the my changes everything. Now, my dog, or your dog, yes, a lot of meaning gets put into that thought of a dog, yes? That's the subject of bonding. It's not the thought, it's the my of it. It's when, when the thought is claimed by the conditional mind, the conditional mind now gives it meaning which produces a subjective experience here. Yeah. So you can be suffering and no one can figure out why because it looks like everything seems great on the outside. Yeah. But they don't know the meaning your mind is giving to life and giving to you and giving to things. They don't have a clue because they're busily under the tyranny of their own mind doing the same thing. Yes? And yet most of us have a very strong sense of being terminally unique. Yet it's not unique at all. The same thoughts are being produced. The, the uniqueness, if you ever want to think of it, is the mind claiming it to be, these are about me, and that me is a giant representative of tons of old ideas. Just like if you have money. You have money. And uh, let's say... To make it in San Francisco, if you had a million dollars, you could probably make it pretty well, yeah, for a year, let's just say, yes? So you have a million dollars, and you would think, if everything was objective, that that million dollars as an objective amount of value would produce an ease and comfort in you, yeah, if you seemingly had it, yeah? You would go, wow, this year, pretty much, all my rent's paid already, and, you know, insurance, yeah, I can sort of kick back, I can buy whatever I want, pretty much, yeah? But... If, when the money, when the thought of money arises, it's held as my money, now that my may come from a system that has a belief that you ain't never going to have enough. So every time you think about your million dollars, it doesn't produce a sense of ease and comfort. It produces anxiety because you don't think that's enough. And if you had five million, it still wouldn't be enough, or ten million, because it's not an objective reality. It's not like, all oh, right, I have enough money and now everything's full. It doesn't matter how much or how little you have. 
It's the meaning your mind gives it. Yeah? That's what you're responding to. It's not a response, it's a reaction, really. Yeah? So the my, and you have no idea the vast amount of information floating around in like, you think of like the internet, yes? You don't see it, do you? But you get on your computer and you access tons of information, yeah? And it seems to download to wherever you are with your Mac or everything like that. But where does it come from? Is there a factory where all that information is stored? Do we have a certain you know, country that we use only for storage of information? No. It's in like a, a netherworld, so to speak, yes? But when we have the right of this ability called the Internet, we can access any, basically anywhere we are, all this this giant storehouse of information. Well, what do you think mine is sort of like? Yes? And how there's an access to that information is by the mind. Yeah? So the mind connects to a certain library of meaning now that downloads into your daily life by that constant claiming with the conveyor or the vehicle that, that carries the meaning, yeah? which is a thought, gets injected with lots of meaning, and then when you see the thought, it opens up, and you believe the thought just brought you that meaning. But the meaning is more of a projection, not a perception. You're not perceiving that meaning. The meaning's been projected, and now you perceive it. But you forget the projection part, and now you're thinking things are driving you crazy, and all this stuff happens just constantly all day. All day. Now, I found a huge shift occurred when the thoughts that were happening weren't held as mine. Yeah? At first, it was just an experiment. I, by going to recovery meetings, I listened to a lot of people share. And usually they shared about their thoughts and their feelings and things that happened in their day or their life, yeah? their reactions to situations like that. And I was sitting there for months, and every day, I, some days I went to a couple meetings a day, and I heard a lot of people share. And after a while... I came to two conclusions. Either they have my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions to life, or they're not mine. Yeah? Because there's too many people that have it. I mean, people from all different walks of life who've never met me, that didn't grow up in New York, didn't go, they had no other conditioning or the environmental conditioning I had, and yet they have the same thoughts about life and the same meaning, yeah, the same meaning of t that's been injected in those thoughts has been injected into the thoughts that I was having. So when I was thinking about a day, I flipped out and got incredibly anxious, just like they, when they were thinking about the day. Yeah? So it wasn't the day and the thoughts about the day that the same aspect of mind was injecting the meaning, called alcoholism. Yes? A giant, deep mental groove of mind called alcoholism was downloading a lot of meaning into my life through the vehicle of thoughts and feelings and interpreting, interpreting those things. And you do the same thing. Not, there isn't a you, but the mind there is connected to the same filing system, in a way, the same library, the same database. And so your data and my data seem very, very similar, even though our lives were different. Uh, we had the same sort of contraction and seeking and wanting to get loaded and get out of here. And so it hit me, hey, these can't pass, they can't be mine, because you have them. If they were mine, you wouldn't have them, yeah? How could you have my thoughts? Well, they mustn't be mine. So the first leap was, hey, they're alcoholic thoughts. 
And I started to get a sense of what alcoholism is like to me, which it's, a, it's more like a parasite, or it's a strong mental groove that dominates all the other grooves. Yeah? And if you're living under that dominance, I sit there and I identify with you. And I don't, do not identify with who you are, but I identify with what's taking you over, because the same sort of mental helmet has taken over me. Yeah? Big, incredible shift, because as soon as I saw a thought as a thought, not mine, there was a lot of more space. Yeah? Yes? There was a, uh, the total belief in the thought was suspended, and I could see most of it as being false evidence, which can only appear real if I believe it. If I act out as if it's so, then it seems to be so here. So it says false evidence appearing real. False evidence obviously can't be real. It can only appear real. But it needs you to appear real too. <laughs> because it can't appear real. Yeah? So your what's not happening can't be forced on everyone else. Yeah? If I'm worried about next Friday and it totally consumes me, next Friday and how I'm picturing it does not manifest for everyone here and it's and now it overrides Monday and it's everyone's Friday. No, it's you're in your own little private Idaho. Yes, it's all happening up in this porno theater. So, but in a sense, it is false evidence because it can't it can appear it cannot be real. It only appears real. Yeah. Like in the book, it says we are a hundred people, men and women, who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If obviously, if it was a hopeless state of mind and body, no one would have recovered. <laughs> obviously, because the, the, the word hopeless means there's no hope. I mean, there's no chance of it ever changing. You know, hopeless in state of mind and body. But it seemingly was a hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly. And the word seemingly means it appears true or false to you. Yeah. So me and you have a huge role here. Not the way we think responsibility is, but we are, in a sense, responsible because we're allowing things that aren't so to appear to be so. Yeah. All day. <laughs> and, and if you take something that's false evidence, sort of like, that lady is setting me up to fuck with me, and then you respond or react now to that, the lady probably had no idea that you were even thinking that, Yes? And yet, now, it has an effect here. So what is not happening can actually have an effect here through us. Yeah? By us believing something, it only it can seem to be so here. Yeah? It can't be so, but it can seem to be so. And if it seems to be so enough, you're pretty much lost, in a way. Yeah? You're up the ass of self so far, there's no daylight up there. Or like they say, there's no sunlight of the Spirit. It's all artificial light. Your hypersensitivity about you, you're super conscious about all the thoughts about you, you're super conscious about the thoughts you think other people are thinking about you, which are your thoughts again, because you don't know what they're thinking of you, but you sure believe you know what they're thinking of you. <laughs> so all these forms of self-consciousness, they're hyper-conscious, you're hyper-aware of those thoughts, but they're not producing any illumination. They're actually, by you being hyper-aware of those thoughts, it produces almost a darkness, in a way. You're, you're pretty much unconscious. 
even though you're very aware of the thoughts. I know some people, they, their thoughts take all their attention. They're basically never here during the day. They're all up here. So they're really hyper-aware of the thoughts, but they're totally out to lunch here. So it's not like you're unconscious. Consciousness is as bright as ever. But what, when consciousness is, is, uh, is illuminating false evidence under ignorance, it appears real. Yeah? The awareness, it's like the movie isn't good, it's the audience that makes it good. Yeah? So the, why would someone be able to see through something called an illusion? Because it's not a thing, it's just an appearance. And others can't see through the illusion. Yeah? Because if the illusion, because the illusion is, is what you make it, yes? You're the illusion maker. There's no thing called the, an illusion. Yeah? It's an activity of mind. It's under a deep trance, and it's not seeing things as they are. It's seeing things as they were and as they will be, which is all made up. Yeah? And let's say something from what's not happening is driving you crazy. Where are the hell are you going to apply the solution to a problem from what's not happening? You can't find it. It's not happening. Where are you going to put the bandage on? <laughs> you may be mentally bleeding all day and suffering intensely, but there's no wound. You can see it's in what's not happening. How can you, so the, the wanting to apply a solution to an imaginary problem is a very big so, problem, yeah. incredibly big problem, because you can't find the problem because it's actually not happening. <laughs> solutions don't work here. They do. Don't. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that if you want to build a house, it may take you months, but to destroy it takes you like five seconds. You can blow up a house in five seconds, yes. Some people, if they take 17 years to build up a sobriety, one drink can erase it, basically. Like that. One night out. All that's fragile, vulnerable state of sobriety, like that, you see. But when a solution appears, and it's not of time, one of the funniest feelings that happens a lot is, let's say you're really flipped out about something, and then the next day you're not. How real could it have been if, you're not, if it's not here today? Yeah? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, if it had this huge effect, it would seem to be like a sol solid hugeness maybe, but it seems to be gone like that. That's why the solution is so beautiful. It doesn't take any time to erase the effects of an imaginary problem. Not at all. It doesn't take any time to erase the effects of an imaginary problem. It's just seeing it's imaginary. Yeah, That's the immediacy of it. Just like we were talking about the idea of non-duality. Non-duality isn't a thing that's better than the opposite of it called duality. It's just, non-duality means not to. That's all it does. It means a negative. You can't find it. There's no way you can go, okay, I'm sick of this duality, I'm going to non-duality. There's no non-duality to go to. Because all you're doing is seeing a form of blindness called self-centeredness and how it appears here, which is dualistically. You're noticing, let's say, the cataract in your one eye. Yeah? 
that creates a, a double vision. So you see yes and no, high, low, good, bad, connected, disconnected, close, far. Yes? With you as the pivotal point. You're the one who's close and you're the one who's far. So you realize, you see it in your relationships with what maybe you call God. Who informs you if you're close to God? Does God inform you or you? Usually you. <laughs> you're the one who tells you or some other you that you've made an authority. <laughs> they tell you you're close to God. <laughs> In this condition, God is sort of, it's like you're in recovery, right? Yeah. No? Yeah. Recovery? Oh, right. Well, it still can be thrown, thrown this way. There's a very important step, step in recovery called surrender your will and your life over to the care of a higher power, of your own understanding. So, AA in the beginning knew they had a sort of play to the, to the audience, and the audience, its main dilemma was playing God. So you had to sort of let it play God with God. So it's, it said, we, all right, you can have a God of your own understanding. <laughs> all right, that God will really work for you. Maybe you'll get a parking space at the next meeting. Or maybe you'll get a month-long relationship that you know, doesn't explode or whatever. <laughs> you'll get a date for the big AA dance. Whatever. <laughs> so you'll have a God of your own understanding. I don't see how that cannot be seen as playing God. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to play the role of God, and now you're going to know a God. Or let's say you're going to surrender to God, but that God is pretty weak, so you'll take it back over the weekend, or when something's important to you. So you, call, you feel like you've surrendered your life, but totally conditional. I surrendered it until I want to take it back. When something really important comes up, I'll take it back. That's not what's available. That's playing God with God. Can you imagine if you could see that I want to surrender my will, my life, over to a God of its own understanding? Yes? So I'm going to sort of humbly take the position of I don't know, but I do know that any life run on this self-will isn't successful. I have that evidence. I do know that self is what has defeated me. The total preoccupation of my mind with what I'm not has defeated me here. Because how do I know I'm defeated? Because I'm constantly seeking. So I mustn't have the sense of what I'm looking for yet. But I'm constantly vigilantly seeking. Even if I'm at the retreat, I'm thinking about the next retreat I should go to. Or the teacher, the next teacher. Or the book I'm reading, the next book I'm going to read. On and on and on and on. Those are indications of something. That there's an inherent dissatisfaction, yes? So, okay, so I'm going to know a God of its own understanding. How am I going to find out how it understands about me? First of all, quit playing God. Okay, so what happens when I quit playing God? See, if I'm playing God, I can't let God be God. (laughs) So here I go. So, okay, hey, that has failed me, playing God. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to say, I don't know, I just don't know. Like in Zen, it says the highest form of mind is I don't know. So in that state of I don't know, what position do you get put in? Your mind takes a position of receiving. It doesn't go towards God as if I know something. It opens up to, and this is just the name God, I'm just opening up. I open up to that with the posture of, hey, I don't know which just opens me up to receive. And then, what happens is, I find out. 
I find out how God sees me, in a sense. Now, instead of how I see God, which is a very limited point of view, I actually find out how, quote-unquote, that power sees me, let's say. And it's quite revelatory, because that information has a lot more impact than knowing up here. Because knowing up here is two sides of the dualistic coin, knowing and unknowing, yeah? Just like, if you spend any more time trying to convince this, this can never be convinced. It can be thoroughly convinced, and five minutes later it's unconvinced. It just flip-flops. It can't stay. It's, it never enters a state. It's always an experience of this or that, yes or no, close or far, high or low, peace and rage, love and hate. Yes? It never enters states. It only enters like a seesaw of experience. But the mind itself, its nature, is a, more like a state, yes? So instead of surrendering and taking it back and then surrendering again, you can enter, not you, but the mind can enter a state of surrendered, yes? Surrendered, which stabilizes. And that stabilization shows from that inherent or seeming inherent irritability, restlessness, and discontent flips over to an ease and comfort. And I'll tell you, the best solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction. Once there's a sense of satisfaction, a lot of the seeking, a lot of the dogs that are let out all fucking day, looking and looking and looking to get in more and more experiences and make sure someone don't get better experiences, they get called off. Yes, Nothing to do with you. They just get called off because there's no... The, 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 that that quote-unquote seeming emptiness that drives all the looking and the seeking has now been seen not to be the emptiness of mind, but the portal for God, in a way. Yes. So now you're in a state of finding out. You're trucking around as endless thoughts, and you, there's an understanding that those thoughts are not yours, nor are they about you. Yeah, they are about a you, but that is not what you are. I would say you're the seeing of the thoughts, not the thoughts, yes? And not the haver of them and not the doer of them, just the seeing of them. Not the seer of them, the seeing of them. Not the seer of them, the seeing. The seeing of them is what I am. The seeing never has to turn into a seer. That's what conditional mind does. When it senses a verb, it makes it a noun. It says there must be someone who's seeing if there's seeing going on. Who says that? There's just seeing. Just awareness. Doing what? Its own nature. It's not being, it is aware. It's not doing awareness. It's not like something that's inherently different and then it can do awareness. No, it's awareness, if you want to call it that. And that's just a name. I would say it's more like nothingness, I, you know. I would like to stay on the negative, the negative thing. It's not thingness, let's say. And it's, and it's not nounness, it's verb. It's not a noun. There's no one that's doing it. So there's just seeing, seeing, and seeing. And what's basically happening all day is seeing what you're not. Everything that appears cannot possibly be you. Yeah? It's an aspect of you. It's emptiness and form, and form is emptiness. But it's not you, yeah? So like Huang Po said, a great Zen master said, whatever can be perceived cannot perceive. 
So if you're taking yourself to be the body and also the perceiver, you can't be both in his point of view. Whatever can be perceived, and that body's being perceived by the eye that's sitting here, yeah, that body cannot perceive. So when that eye there is looking back at me, it's not the body that's looking back at me. It's the same eye that's looking at that body. It's the same eye that's looking at this body. And it's the same eye that's looking at this body. And it's the same eye that's looking at that body. Yeah? There's only, let's say, it's not one eye. There's only eye. Yeah? There's only that awareness that's looking at all these objects. Now, if you ask me who that awareness is, I would say it's me. But who is that me? That me is a body, yes? And that me, to death, is a you. <laughs> and the me that her mind is identified with is a you to me. So really, every you is a you, and every me is a you. And there's only I, yeah? The I is what's seeing all the U's, and yet the mental process calls each U, it's a, what, what this is, is an identified U. Yeah? When I say it's me, it's an identified U. Yeah? It's this, the same seeing happening, you're seeing a body here, just like I see a body there, yes? Now, that body I call you. Yeah? This body I call me. <laughs> Yet, from her, that point of view, this body's called you, and that body's called me. You see? <laughs> now, if we could see this is this as you, and this is you, yes, then there would be an incredible shift in mind. But let's just start it with I, maybe. Yes? The same I, looking at all these you's, and each you thinks it's a me. <laughs> Which is what? The mental process claiming the activity of the eye. That's what it is. It's claiming the activity of awareness and saying it's an attribute the body's doing. Yeah? So, I, forget the eye, forget the no-thingness, the mind is going to crown, crown a thing with the, with the, with the crown of the, the, the uh, yeah, the crown of I-ness, yeah? I'm going to say, I'm the one who's seeing, but that I is going to be a me. Yeah? So the I is seeing, but the mental process claims the I seeing, and now turns into me seeing you. Yeah? And then confusion starts, yes, doesn't it? Because now I'm taking myself to be a body, and when I'm taking myself to be a body, what's forgotten, I would say, is my truer nature, in a way, yes? which is the I. Yet, the solution to this seeming dilemma is offered every second, because the only thing that's causing us to be alive is the I. I've seen dead bodies, and you could take that dead body's eye out and put it in a live body, it would see, but it ain't seeing in that dead body. So the eye is not seeing. Yeah? Awareness or consciousness is causing the act of vision to occur, not the eye. The body has very little to do with it. It's more like the camera. It is not the light. Yeah? It's just the camera. It's a, it's a functioning. It's a manifestation that allows consciousness to interface here. But it's not what's conscious. Yeah? 
Now we may see, hey, what the hell, what, what does that matter? What does it matter is when there's an identification as a body, your vision gets so, so distorted. It's like being all your thoughts and everything being interpreted from you as the center, it's like getting wrapped in saran wrap, yeah? Saran wrap's clear, so maybe the first one, you, can, you still, yeah, I can see pretty good. But after 50 layers, it's almost looking like through a Coke bottle, yeah? The vision is very, very distorted. At that point, false evidence is appearing near constantly. Yeah? You have no gauge, you have no barometer, you can't tell fucking left or right from up and down. You're totally ignorant. You're ignoring something by your total obsession with this. You're ignoring what you are. And there's effects here in that, yes? When you ignore what you are, you take yourself to be this. And this has many, many, many limitations. So I like this way of seeing what you're not. You don't need to see what you are. You can't see what you are. That's the seeing. That's what we are, is the seeing. So in this state, I'm seeing what I'm not. That's what I am, is seeing what I'm not. When I'm seeing what I'm not, that's the activity of what I am. When 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 I'm looking from what I'm not, that's blindness, yeah? When I'm seeing what I'm not, that's what I am. Just the seeing of it. The seeing of it. Just like when I was introduced to this information, the mind started coming out of that yogic posture. The the yoga of conditional mind only has one asana, only one position. (laughs) Contraction. Contraction, totally absorbed in itself. This is it, and it's been practicing this yoga, this false union for a long, long time. <laughs> when it comes out of that one posture, you get to, you'll find out. You'll find out what happens. Yeah? You'll know that you're onto something because you'll see the fruits of it. You'll start traveling light again. Yeah? It's as simple as that. And then the, the traveling lighter turns into a state. And what happens is, is like, one of the first few times I started having these events occur, it would be like I'm sitting in this room, and I was looking around, and everything looks the same. And then suddenly the whole room dropped about 20 feet to another level of relaxation. My mind, my conditional way of looking, couldn't see. Nothing changed. Nothing changed in the room. Nothing changed in my life. But the whole thing dropped to another level of ease. And it took months for it to dawn on mine. Because it was still waiting to get it as a Paul. (laughs) But after a few of those drops, I started to, you know, there was a noticing of it. I saw, like the sleight of hand was seen through. I could recognize it. And then just like the, and the effects that, let's say, the aftershocks or the tremor in translation, which is, this is a, a translation of mind here in time, I saw that it reverberated as traveling lighter, yeah? No matter what the terrain of my life had in store for me as an action figure, I traveled lighter over it. It didn't change the geography of my life, maybe a little bit. It didn't have to. It just allowed a traveling lighter over it, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, my leg didn't get, you know, like all of a sudden better, yeah? Some physical disabilities were still in place, but how... uh, 
their meaning in my life shifted dramatically. Yeah? The meaning that was that had become like a stagnant belief system got all shook up. One of the big ones was I was in a hot I was not in a hot tub in a tub, I was house sitting. I was in the tub and suddenly my, it hit me, I didn't want what I wanted. Yeah? The whole stream of advertising with this assumption that I didn't have what I wanted or needed constantly for year after year after year was like a one, it was like one channel that played the same song. Like, un, they played new songs, but the underlying old song was always there. Yeah? And I realized I don't want what I want. What a fucking relief. It just dropped a lot. I didn't want all that stuff I don't have. No. That's the whole point why mine wants it, is it doesn't have it. It can give it meaning when it doesn't have it. <laughs> oh. And so these things would occur, and then how you traveled here, it would reverberate for a long, long time, in time. The, the shift of mind, which doesn't take any time at all, its reverberation can go on for years, and years, and years, and years, and years here. Yeah? Because it's not of time. So it would just, I get a hit, and then go, and then just months, and months, and months, and months, and years, and years, and years, and years, I could see it just spreading out, yes? The mind coming out of that fixed posture, and just losing its any kind of name and form, any kind of shape, and just being the space that it is. You know, oh, man. That's why I guess come here every freaking three days a week for 19 years. Because something about it still just, it's like, uh, I'm just like brought to my knees and honoring of it. One time, I, t- I like to share this one because it had a real tactile feeling. I was, I've shared it a lot, but I was having another operation on my leg. I had got run over by a car. And this operation was a local, I mean, a, they were just going to operate on this part, yeah? So they built a little wall up, and they gave me a local anesthesia. So I was awake, and they just shut up, so I couldn't feel it. You can hear it, though. You can hear what they're doing. It's weird. You, my mind translates everything into hearing. When I see something, I hear it also. It's weird. Like, if I see something, it, I hear it. I don't hear it, but I hear it. I understand it by hearing it, more, more, almost more than seeing it. They combine and make an impact. But there I was, and I was just, they had giant, these giant stainless steel, like, bowls with the lights in them. They need a lot of clarity, obviously, yes? They need to be illuminated when they're doing these operations. So I was laying there, and then suddenly... Something, there was one of those pauses, you know, that I try to share. And something came over me that was like the sweetest uh, quintessence. You know what the word quintessence? It's like the essence of essence. The quintessence, it was like a super distilled bliss ball or something, or joy, whatever. And it came over me. It was a very physical, phenomenal event. And, you know, just like, Everything was like blown to the winds and then recoagulated. And when I was put back together as a Paul, there was a sense, though, I would have put up with anything that's ever happened to me in this life if it would had anything to do with leading me to this point. Yeah, just one second in time of a timeless essence dropping. Yeah, like a drip, a drip, just one drop dripping through this whole little paper mache world coming in 
caused like 50 years of writing on the blackboard of conditioning and experience and memories erased like that. Yeah. How real could it be? How real could one, if one second of timelessness could erase everything that I'd been seemingly through for 36, about 40 years at that time away like that? You have to see something, you know? This place is not inherently real. It's a dream in a way. <laughs> it's a real, real thing. And you've got a big role to play because the dreaming is dreaming. <laughs> if you want to call it through here, yeah, this is like the little interface between no thingness and the manifestation into thingness. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so. This just was a little thing. I was given this little message. Hey, maybe, brother, you're not that. You know, you know maybe you're not the meditator. Because I was looking for another technique of meditation. I'd done a lot of them. And someone pointed out to me, hey, maybe you don't need another technique of meditation. Why not just ask who's the meditator? You know? <laughs> maybe see what happens if you do that. So I started asking. Those, you know, They call it uh, self-inquiry. I started asking, you know, pointed at that assumption that there was a Paul there somewhere, an authentic Paul behind all of this activity, yeah, which there isn't. You know? But I would throw some questions out back there. You know, like, let's, look, let's look back and see who I am. You know? And you know, ring the bell and see who shows up. So from the door, the imaginary door, my mind would always go and I ask, who am I? Me! Me! You would yell out, like in a closet in the back room. And I just, but I wouldn't leave the door. I said, well, who is this me? <laughs> and he goes, I'll be right there. <laughs> I've got to get dressed. <laughs> Put on these whites, a spiritual seeker. No, who am I? Am I that? Oh, no, no, no. And what happened is, obviously, well, you find out. You'll see what happens. You start asking yourself a question. Yeah. A subjective question. There's no opinion about, let's say it's, the mind's worrying about next week, yeah? And you're aware of that. You see it, worrying about next week. It's no opinion about should you or shouldn't you be worrying about next week, but ask who it is that's worrying about next week. Who is that? Yeah? There seems to be worrying, which is true. That's manifestation. But there isn't a one who's worrying. That is the mental interpretation. The manifestation is thoughts worrying about a thing called next week, Yes? But there isn't any one doing that. So the mind sees, the conditional mind sees the verbs, sees thinking, sees feeling, sees doing, and yet when it sees a doing, it says there must be a doer. Yes, that's its logic. I'm the doer. And if I can't be the doer, then you're the doer. And if I can't pin it on a person, then God's doing it. There's somehow we've got to have a doer. It can't just be doing there's got to be someone or something, thing, doing it. Yeah. Thinking, thinking, thinking. There must be a thinker. Yeah. Feeling it. There's so many feelings. I'm having them. No, there's just feelings. Yeah. In, in, in actually a better sense, they're having you more than you having them. Yeah. So all this activity, all this manifestation is being seen, but when the mind sees it, yeah, it claims the seeing, and then the conditional mind gives its interpretation of the seeing, which is just being conscious contact. It interprets it as, I'm the one who's seeing it. I'm the one who's thinking. I'm the one who's feeling. I'm the one who's doing. And then it writes a story about 
you as the doer, the thinker, the seer, the feeler, the one who's done too, the victim, the great one, the da da da, da tons of tons and tons of little uh, tributaries of the same basic story of being Paul, yes? And it just riffs, like John Coltrane, the great jazz musician. You, it's just like giving it an idea. John, tonight, why don't you riff on, riff on the idea of separation? Okay, separation, turn into blues, blues. I'm, not, I'm away from the one I love, and the source of my happiness has left me. There, yeah, sounds very familiar, yeah? So the mind gets an idea. Well, hey, let's see what separation would look like. All right, I'll be a body, and I won't, want, I won't have what I need. <laughs> I don't like this idea of separation but if you stick with it you'll be special oh, okay I'll stick with it I want to be special someday so what I don't have I will have and when I have it I'll be great okay this is mine selfing 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 and the feeling of be the one who's doing it is the product of the self that vague feeling that's why they say it. it's a sense of self it's not a thought of self the thought of self is is the activity that produces the sense of self. Yeah? You have a sense that you're a self. That's the basic primary logic of the conditional mind. There's the seeing of manifestation, there's the claiming of, of the seeing as being the seer, and then that from, that, from that point on, everything else that's seen is on the seer, on the doer, on the haver, yes? It's all, everything's thrust into this one storyline, that there's a noun. Yeah? The verb is something a noun is doing. Instead of just seeing life as happening, it's always happening to me or for me or by me. There's always a noun involved. This is a story. Animals don't see it that way. I don't know actually how they see it. But I do know if you have a dog today at the beach and you have one of those ball things, that dog is never going to get tired to chase after the, that ball. And the 800th time it gets it, and the first time it gets it, it'll be just as excited. And if you have a little kid, and you hide behind a little corner, and when the kid comes by and you go, oh, the kid will laugh. And if you do it 20 times, it will laugh. If you do it 80 times, it will laugh. But then as you get older, you enter a state of boredom, don't you? Oh, I've done this before. I don't want to run after this ball. This is the 50th time. I don't want to do this again and again. And time gets invested in it. Mind gets invested in it and produces an incredible quality that kids and little animals don't have boredom. I'm fucking tired of this. It's always, I've done this so many times. Yes? But you've, yeah, you've never done it. It's just the doing of it. Yeah? And that's when a kid and a dog, they're in the doing of it. They're running after the ball. There's no sense... Oh, I did this yesterday with my master. And the ball was bigger and nicer. Fuck you, master. I'm not doing it anymore. I want a better ball. And the, the beach isn't as nice as yesterday's beach. And the waves are... It's cold. Too cold today. You know? There's no sense of anything being done to the doer because there's no doer. That quality of life is not, is not lost. It's just forgotten. It's not lost at all. It's just based on the state of mind that you seem to be in. Or what's, let's say, the dominant state of mind. There's no you to be in it, but the dominant state of mind. I found if you can just entertain, you're not that K-Paul, you know? You're not the center of that whole radio station you've been 
addicted to listening to. If you're not that, then what occurs is you start finding out more and more you're not that. And I say the more and more you find out you're not that, that's like being what you are. It's the seeing of what you're not. sound in one's head. That's also phenomena, but it's good because one, the sound is so constant, you can get a sense of the, cons- the, cons- the constancy of what's seeing it or what's hearing it. Yeah. What's hearing it is really what the sound implies, not the sound itself, yes? But the awareness of the sound. The having the sound on constantly can allow you to sense the constancy of the awareness of it, yeah? Because only, the only reason why something can appear to be constant here is because it's constantly being seen. Yes? So even if things come and go here, the constancy of what's seeing isn't addressed. Yes, it's always so. The sound in one's head, which seems to be constant, gives you a reminder of the true constancy of what's there, which is the seeing. Though here, things come and go, so they don't have a consistency like this does. But you can have certain things can imply it. And that being always available at all times is very, cannot be seen by conditional mind. You can't sense it. Yeah? But it is there. It's always available at all times. And certain things can sort of intimate that. Yes? Certain events are happening here. Can intimate the allness, the no time of it. The no-timeness of it. In other words, all the time equates to no time, yeah? Of it. And then your mind gets, comes, comes out, you know, it pops out of that ass of self and it really expands. It can really expand and start entertaining possibilities that you can never entertain from the point of view of the self. Because everything you entertain is put into time. It's very hard to entertain timelessness in time, yeah? The time, the, the addiction to time must be seen, and then you get the real sense of timelessness. So, there you have it for tonight. Yes. Any questions? No.